LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one gospel-centered ministry tip every week. Now, Derek, what was your first job? My first job ever? Ever. Like at. I'm thinking, little ten-year-old Derek, yeah. looking looking to get a little bit of yep. pocket money. What yep. was your first job? Uh, the mines. I worked <laughs> the, the mines. mines. <laughs> After the mines, I uh, worked at Red Rooster actually. Red Rooster. Chicken cutter. Chicken cutter. Yeah, it was. That's a, a very specialised task. I was not the most hygienic person in that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I remember eating so much chicken salt. Why are we talking about this? Well, because today we are going to be talking about bivocational planting. Bivocational church planting allows new churches to start when it might not have been possible otherwise. Uh, today's episode, we're going to hear from Liam, who started a church while working three days a week in a cafe and gradually increased his days to church and working almost full time. It's a model that's been increasingly uh, encouraged in the last few years. And I, and I think a lot of discussion around it has, has come from a desire to be more missional, as though bivocational, you know, bivocational by, working, by working and planting at the same time, you'll be more missional. So you're in the community, a little bit dealing, seeing what people are grappling with, connecting with them, as well as planting. That's right. You've got, you're, you're the cafe barista and you're having, you know, as you're serving coffees, you're having all these great gospel Two ways to live in the latte art. Yeah, that's yep. it. That's it. Mm. Uh, so I think it's really helpful as we jump into Liam Doyle today to sort of really understand the realities of bivocational planning. So let's hear from Liam now. I'm Liam. I'm married to Lucy. We planted Lake Mac Church at Lake Macquarie, western shores of Lake Macquarie, seven years ago. We planted with two children. We've now got four. Uh, since then, we've grown from nine people to we're averaging between 90 and 100, including kids on a Sunday at the moment. So the model of church planting that we started off with is uh, bivocational planting, uh, bivocation, two vocations. So it's working effectively two uh, distinct jobs. Uh, there's a whole range of uh, reasons or ways you can do bivocational uh, ministry, but for us that meant uh, working a second job uh, to pay uh, the bills so that that would free me up to plant when the church couldn't uh, couldn't afford to have me. There was there was no church, uh, and that was, I guess it's a, a funding strategy for us. Um, so working that second job, for me, bivocational was never something I particularly aspired to. I didn't go in thinking, yeah, that that's that's how I want to do ministry. It was a raw necessity. Uh, we planted straight out of Bible college, and when when we graduated, and actually when we moved to Morriset, we had ten dollars a week in pledge support. Uh, and on top of that, uh, Lucy settling for having a couple of kids, and that was that was our funding. So that bivocational was something I had to do. I had I had to go get a job. Uh, I'm a bit of a coffee nut. I've got some skills in that area. So uh, going in, I thought, oh, this will be a good opportunity um, to go and be the friendly local barista. I'll get paid for it. I'll meet everyone. I'll convert heaps of the patrons. Uh, and away we go. So to, to start with, I, I probably started at between three and four days a week, depending on the shifts, uh, working as a barista in a little local cafe, uh, pretty well entry level wages, maybe slightly below. Um, and, and I did that uh, pretty well for 
two years, uh, a, a decreasing days. So started off maybe max four days a week, and and it tailored down or petered down over over a couple of years. To by the end of the second year, I wasn't doing uh, any work in a cafe as a barista. Uh, the whole time that was going on, I was also running a coffee roasting business that I started during Bible college, uh, and. And that I, that I still do. I, I, I roast about 50 kilos a week, um, post-Australia-wide, uh, and away we, away we go with that. And, and that takes me about half a day a week uh, now, and I, I've been doing that the whole time we've been doing uh, ministry. Part of the conditions that made it a necessity for me to work as a bivocational planter was that our core team was very small. We had uh, nine adults in our core team, and only two of them were employed, gainfully employed. And one of those was a single mum. Uh, so there was not much income uh, within our, with our core team. Even though they were super generous, they just didn't have the capacity uh, to fund a planter early on. Alrighty, so that was Liam Doyle talking about his bivocational plan. Now, he, he called it a funding strategy. Now, you, you're around when Liam was kind of getting up and going. What was the thinking behind him going in this way? Well, he's going to a, a, a lower socioeconomic area in Morissette. And so the reality is uh, there are a number of people who were on low incomes. And so in order to sort of fund someone full time, it was, it was actually beyond the reach of a, of a small launch team. Uh, and so in some ways, I think... I think bivocational as a funding strategy is often a is often a more helpful approach than the missional approach, largely because uh, starting a church is actually quite costly, and so you know you're looking at sort of eighty to you know one hundred and twenty thousand dollars depending on on the uh, location and the context. Uh, often as well in the first year, there's there's not all you know there's not a gathering necessarily taking place. That might it might take six to twelve months to gather your launch team, and so you you don't have all the you know, the regular activities, I guess, of church life, you know, that are needed. So, uh, so part, you know, part time is often, um, is often a, a, a helpful way to sort of slowly, you know, build, build your momentum. And so Liam, you know, Liam in many ways worked in a cafe. Uh, he had a number of other sort of businesses as well, which actually funded the ministry and funded him being there. Talk to us about that. You, you in your opinion, what you've said there, less effective as a missional strategy but but it is effective as a support strategy in order to move to full-time is that what you said yeah I, I think the reality is when you are working in a small business you like or in working for someone your job is to work for them and so i think a lot of people think oh i'll work in a cafe and that'll give me an opportunity to have lots of missional conversations and the reality is you've actually got to you know serve coffees and tidy up and and clothes uh you you will access you know, and have a great understanding of the, the local community. But your job is really to serve coffees and make sure people get their food, not necessarily be having gospel, co- you know, conversations. Uh, uh, I think I think often as well, um, you know, people often take jobs that they actually don't pay, you know, don't pay well uh, because they've got more of that community face. And, and they overlook the skills that they have, you know. So some, you know, someone might be excellent, you know, an excellent uh, IT guy, for example, you can do a lot of that remotely. You don't necessarily need to be out in the community. You know, with two, you know, two days a week, you could potentially, you know, earn enough income to support your, you know, your planting as the church gets up and running. That that might not have any. That's got no community interface at all. But it gives you the opportunity to earn that income. Uh, a doc, you know, the other the other 
the other model I've seen uh, of this that's worked really well is a doctor. They worked one day a week and they were able to actually earn a lot of money. That enabled them to be able to bring on staff sooner. Now, it was a great community role. Um, it gave them great opportunity to understand and see the local context. They were in a bulk billing place. I think they got to see sort of 25, 30 patients a day. But again, their prime job there was to make sure that people uh, were checked out and made healthy. If he, if he took the time there to have lots of gospel conversations, I don't think he'd have a job. But the job, member enabled him to do four days, five days in the church uh, so that he could actually reach the local community. Well, uh, thinking about requ- required characteristics of a planter, um, please don't hear me saying I've got all these. Uh, but but ha- having done it with a bivocational, here's, here's some that I've come up with. The first is, is the great need to be very organised and structured. And that comes out of some of those tensions. Because you've got increasing levels of complexity, you've got competing priorities, uh, you need to be a very organised and structured kind of person uh, to be able to juggle those and juggle them effectively and fulfil all the different commitments that you're going to find come up in any given week. Um, so that would be the first one. Um, second, I would suggest that you want to be the sort of planter who's prepared well ahead of the plant. Uh, and that comes out of the fact that a lot of stuff will not get done if you're bivocational. Uh, there's a whole bunch of your week that you're working for some other work other than the plant when you might have been doing something else. And for me, the stuff that didn't get done was the behind-the-scenes stuff, the important but not urgent, the stuff that didn't get noticed, uh, stuff like grievance policies, stuff like staff contracts, stuff like uh, all, all, all that sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that is super important, super necessary, super valuable to the life of the church, but isn't seen or felt in a, in a week-to-week uh, basis, doesn't get done. So I would say you, you need to have that. If you're going to be bivo. As a planter, you want to have that well and truly done before the plant because you'll have even less time than normal planters. So you're kidding yourself if you think you're going to do it uh, as you go along. Uh, The third uh, characteristic I think uh, you need is to be a a team player and and really value uh, a team. And that might even come into the uh, ability to gather a highly functioning team. Uh, And and that flows out of the, the fact that you've got less time to do what what needs to be done you're going to have to rely on other people Uh, and often you won't even have the time to invest in those people and train them up because you're working this other job Um, so so a real a real teams person uh, someone who can work well with others who can trust others and uh, train up and delegate well and effectively Uh, the fourth is that uh, characteristic and i think this is a big one uh, is, is to be really flexible you're going to find there's there's a even though your job can't be flexible and you, you you can't be flexible with your ministry and your job that's going to mean that you're going to be have to be the stretching point between those two so as a person you're going to have to be incredibly flexible working around those static commitments uh, like your your second job and and your ministry obligations to make them work there'll be a lot of a lot of times when you'll have to take up the slack in between and really flex for those Fifth, I think it's a bonus if you uh, can compartmentalize mentally. Um, if you're the sort of person who who everything affects everything and your your uh, emotional emotions are super connected, which is really valuable in some ways. Uh, but but if you're trying to if you're trying to split your life into a two or three or four or five different chunks, uh, it's going to be important that you're able to put aside your bivocational work and just pop it in its box and get on with ministry. And, and if there's some stress at work going on, 
you need to be able to put that aside. There's enough stresses in planting uh, without um, some stress from, from work coming in and affecting that. And the sixth one, which isn't so much a characteristic, but maybe an, an ability or, or a background, I'd suggest that if you're going to be bivo, you, you probably need to have a, a, a job with a high per hour rate of pay. Uh, and that was one that I didn't have a, a barista. It was very low pay. Uh, so, so thinking about your bivocational, it has to be worth the time to do it. Uh, so for me, I, I wanted my work to actually pay for ministry not just to cover the number of days that I was working, which was barely doing that. It was barely paying the three or four days a week bills, let alone helping supplement those other few days a week so that I could do ministry. Um, so if, if you know, you're, you're, you've got a doctor's hourly rate as opposed to a barista's hourly rate, that, that, that's going to completely change the, the dynamics and whether it's worth you doing a day a week. Uh, in fact, then a day a week might pay the bills rather than have to do the three or four. I made a whole bunch of mistakes, uh, in, in, especially early on as a bivocational planter, uh, and here's a few of them. Uh, the first one is I was very naive. Uh, for me, I was working as a barista in a cafe, and, and I pictured this as this uh, lovely, lovely situation where I'd be the friendly local barista. People would confide in me, I'd get to know them, and I'd be able to share the gospel with them, and a bunch of them would come to faith uh, through it. Uh, whereas in reality, I was being paid to make coffee and wash up. I wasn't being paid to talk to people. I did talk to people and I, I didn't overstep the line as well. My boss didn't think I did, uh, but, but it, it meant it wasn't a, it wasn't a missional activity in the way I thought it, it could have been. Uh, so I think that we've got to be careful not to justify our work, uh, with, I guess, gospel excuses. Say, oh, well, you know, I can do that because of this ministry outcome or, or be very real, uh, and honest about what the advantage it may or may not be. Uh, the second one, uh, the second mistake that I made uh, was not realising the significance of the low hourly rate for my for my work. And I, I've already mentioned that. But I just say, if you're going to be bivocational, it's got to be worth your while. Uh, you got to pay the bills somehow. The more you're paid per hour, the less hours you have to work. So pretty obvious, but needs to be said. Third mistake I made is I was very unprepared and unorganised going into the plant. Uh, that's a little bit about just who, who I am and what I do. I, I just I just do stuff, uh, but but I didn't go in with all the all the documents, all the planning, all the systems set up. Uh, so I worked very hard and I got lots done, uh, and I got a whole bunch of ministry done, but I still didn't get to those important but not urgent things. So that's a big one. The fourth, and this is probably the, the most significant, spiritually significant mistake I made, was that I, I tried to take the financial burden off my church. And in doing so, I hurt them. I, I stunted their spiritual growth in generosity. I used to say things like, oh, it's okay, we can, we can run a tight ship. We're doing okay financially. The bills are getting paid. Uh, and people relaxed. They maybe invested their money elsewhere in gospel things. But overall, I think I, I failed my church as a pastor by not uh, seeking to grow them in gospel generosity. Uh, so so that, that, I think that was a, a very large uh, spiritual hurt that I, I gave. There is this wrong thinking of, oh, my job is to take the financial burden off my church. I, I, I missed out on that big one. So 
stunting my church's generosity. That's a pretty confronting way to put it. What's behind that? Well, I think often the bivocational planner can cannot do the hard work of talking about stewardship and generosity and speaking about money, casting vision, uh, you know, putting the hard things in front of the church to say, you know, in the next two years we do want to become, you know, viable, sustainable, um, insert your word, actually paying for the ministry that's um, that's taking place here. So often you're saying you're saying people's no knows for them, um, and so I think it's worthwhile for the bivocational planter, like all planters, to be talking about um, the cost and the need for us as a church family to be resourcing this church. Um, you know, giving our time, talent, and our treasure to see this church plant get off the ground. And so in some ways, it's helpful for uh, Liam to say, you know, his preparedness to kind of do whatever it takes, which it was, it was an, you know, he started, he, he grew chickens, he started a coffee uh, roasting business, he used to go around collecting oil, you know, canola oil and making biodiesel. He, he, he slaughtered pigs and, you know, uh, bred pigs for a while. Like he was willing to do kind of pretty much not, not in that order, not in that order. No, but no. but he he was willing to do whatever it takes uh, just to get the thing started. And in some ways that was great. But actually it can stunt the church's generosity because you're not, you know, putting that out there. Um, I think the uh, the other reality of just just all those things are dealing with sort of the part time nature and and part time nature of uh, of bivocational planting is that you actually need to be really well organized. And, uh, and that's not often a skill that a lot of pastors have. And so if you are, you know, if you are being bivocational, you need to be really well prepared in terms of managing your time, managing your calendar, your diary, uh, managing your team as well, because you don't have you know, seven days. You don't have that capacity just to sort of jump in. You've actually you've got to plan ahead with your teams. You've got to plan ahead with your um, time. You need to be thoughtful about the jobs that you take so they actually don't take away from the main game is actually uh, seeing a church get off the ground. So I have seen a number of bivocational planters where the necessity for sort of getting the wage actually impacts the growth of the church because more and more they've got to take on, you know, jobs and work mm. at the cost of them, you know, being, you know, ready for the, the church plant to, uh, to grow. Particularly those early years, getting launch velocity does take a significant amount of energy, not just from the planter, from the whole team as well, but the planter will drive that. And so if they are distracted, even by a good thing, it can really limit that ability in the first few years, which I think my argument would be at actually five, ten years, that's when you really see it as well because it's kind of taking a long time to uh, to get going. I, I think as well, if, I'm, if you are thinking into the bivocational role and what you're going to be doing, uh, if you are going to be self-employed, often I think it's helpful if you're not actually starting up a new business as well for the first time. So if you've already got a you know an income stream or you've already been involved in that sort of you know freelance style you know vocational work before, then then I think you you're aware and you know what's expected. But actually getting a business up and running off the ground is is hard work in and of itself. And most people who who are doing that often have another you know side hustle or another income stream as they get their own you know sort of business up off the ground because they realize that actually the 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 money you know has a has a longer you know longer time period in terms of you know coming in so so I'd want to say if you are going to be doing the sort of self-employed route try and do something that you've already done before in the past and that you're actually also not starting as well so don't don't launch your self-employed business and your church at the same time not even if that small business was something around helping the community or connecting the community or uh, supporting yeah, 
Not even that. Can you see any scenario in which it would be those the two things would align? Oh, I, you don't you don't want to say not not ever, uh, but I I just want to encourage the church the, the church planner to reflect on on the actual reality that it takes a lot of work to get something up and running, and a church takes a lot of effort to get up and running as well. So doing two things uh, at the same time is um, is hard work, you know, and there's a lot of similar skills, you know, casting vision, recruiting, you know, business development for the, the entrepreneurial business person, church plant, recruiting people to teams, you know, s- casting vision for that uh, for that new church. Just spending all that relational time is, um, you know, it's quite, uh, it's quite hard work. So Ed Stetzer uh, in Planning Missional Churches, he quotes a guy named Stephen, he says that the best bivocational jobs have four things. Pays an hourly rate, you mentioned that before. Uh, daytime hours, so you're not necessarily driving Ubers from kind of 10 to 4 in the morning and then got no energy during the day. It's not that draining. Now, that could be either physically or emotionally either. Uh, and it puts you in touch with a good cross-section of your community. So actually seeing what's going on, you touched on on that one before. What's your one thing, Scott, about bivocational planting? You need to be uh, organised. Part-time planting and part-time work creates a lot of complexity for your family life and for uh, just the, you know, the organisation and launching of a new church. Uh, so be thoughtful about the bivocational role that you take. Well, that's uh, all from us today. If you've liked the show, you can uh, rate or leave a comment on our iTunes page and see our other partner podcasts. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon.